The liturgical year is like a treasure map full of opportunities to delve into the feasts and traditions of our Catholic history. But more than that, it's an opportunity to make powerful friendships with the saints in heaven. Today's guest, Katie Prejean McGrady, is here to tell us about an awesome new multimedia series on the lives of the saints. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host. Today's guest is Katie Prejean McGrady, telling us about an awesome new multimedia series on the lives of the saints. Katie is an international Catholic speaker and award-winning author. She travels extensively around the world, speaking on faith, culture, family, evangelization, youth and young adult ministry, education, and discipleship. She's a dynamo. Katie is the project manager of Ave Explores, an initiative from Ave Maria Press, as well as a monthly columnist for Catholic News Service, a devotional writer for Blessed Is She, consultant to the USCCB's Committee on Youth and Young Adult Ministry, and host of the Ave Explores and Ave Spotlight podcasts. She has her degree in theology from the University of Dallas and lives in Louisiana with her husband and daughters, Rose and Claire. Oh my gosh, Katie, you have a lot on your plate and a new baby. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Liz. It's good to be with you. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting because uh, being in touch with you before the interview, I heard you were kind of on the run from one hurricane and then getting it back together again and then another one. <laughs> how, how are you all doing? <laughs> It's been a crazy, we're in October, right? Yeah, I, uh, yes. it's been a crazy couple of months. I told my husband, from COVID, I feel like I'm still stuck in March. From the summer, I feel like I'm still stuck in June. And then these hurricanes happened and we just lost the month of September. Uh, but we're doing okay. The new baby is with her dad right now. And so I get to do this and it's, it's great. Oh my gosh, we're so generous of you. Tell us you can start with your recent adventures, but connect, uh, connect the dots for us with your interest in the saints and kind of who do you call on in the midst of all this stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, th I was born and raised Catholic. Uh, you know, my mom's a convert, so she was one of those zealous Catholics who came from Southern Baptist. And I think there were things about Catholicism that my mom really missed out on not being raised Catholic. And so she always made the saints kind of a big part of our childhood. Um, and so that's, of course, then carried through into my adult life, uh, where if you walk down my hallway in my house, we have like a, you know, just a, the row of holy friends, uh, different images of saints that have been important in my family. My daughters are named after St. Rose of Lima and St. Claire of Assisi. We have a picture of St. Therese of Lisieux. I was baptized on her feast day, October 1st. Uh, so she's my kind of my saintly best friend. Um, my husband's huge on Francis. That was his confirmation saint. He wants to go to Assisi someday. Uh, but, you know, in the midst of all of kind of the chaos of 2020, my saintly friend has, has weirdly enough been um, St. Peter. And I don't know that I necessarily have a ton in common with him. You know, he was a rough and tumble guy. He was a fisherman. I don't know how to swim. Like, we would not have gotten along, I feel like, in real life. Uh, but his, I, I'm drawn to the story of him 
in the boat and Jesus is taking a nap and the waves are crashing and the wind is blowing and he kind of like kicks Jesus awake and he's like, hey, do you care? Like, do you care what's going on here? And I can only imagine Jesus looking at him and rolling his eyes because that's a very holy thing to do and standing <laughs> up and calming the storm. I just, I kind of feel like me and St. Peter are in that boat together right now, screaming at Jesus <laughs> and Jesus is screaming right back at us. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Oh, that makes me so happy that he's a special favorite of yours. And I love that moment, too. And I think that's hilarious. Uh, The way you told the story was just, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad we (laughs) recorded it. But my favorite moment of his is just like messing up and denying Jesus, because I feel like I do that over and over again. And I love St. Peter because... And I love all the gospel writers because they tell their dirt. They air their dirty laundry in these gospels. They passed on these stories of their own failings. And it gives me so much hope. Yeah. Yeah. If he can be the first pope and, you know, venerated for eternity, essentially, then there's hope for all of us. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody will pray in front of my bones someday. And it's okay if they don't because we've got <laughs> Peter. <laughs> I'll pray in front of you. No, no, no. I don't Thank, want to say well, that because I don't not, ever want to be around presume that just your yet. bones. <laughs> no, I want you to live a really long time. Um, so, so your favorites, you, you mentioned St. Therese, also one of my favorites. How in the sort of day-to-day of, you said that St. Therese was kind of like your bestie. What does that look like in your walk? You know, I was drawn to St. Teresa's story when I learned that I was baptized on her feast day. And baptisms, you know, we celebrate those in my family. Um, You know, we throw a party, we have cake. There's usually a little Catholic present. Liturgical living, my mom was doing it long before blogs were a popular thing in the 90s. I'm struck by the fact that St. Teresa's life, oftentimes we tell the story of Teresa Lisieux as like, she was this very meek and mild and simple and small. It's like, actually, no, she was kind of a spitfire. She ticked people (laughs) off. She had a lot of opinions. If you've ever read Story of a Soul, she was not a, a mousy woman. Um, she only lived 24 years, so I've got six years on her. But I still feel this great connection to her her belief, her deep, deep belief that the love that we have for other people and for God is really the only thing that matters. And so if we're not leaning into that love, especially when it's hard to love somebody, then we're not actually doing the work that God calls us to do. Um, you know, John Paul II, he is famous for saying when he declared her a doctor of the church, even though she was not a prolific writer, he said that it was really six words that made her a doctor of the church. And it's, it's something that she said on her deathbed, it is love alone that counts. And those six words, like if I were to get a tattoo, it would be those words. Um, I have them on a little sign in my husband and I's bedroom, kind of right by the bathroom wall. And we see it, you know, 90 times a day going in and out of that room. Um, My daughter knows that that's what the wall says. It is love alone that counts. It's kind of a constant mantra in our family. Okay, how am I loving them? How are they loving me? How are we loving others around us? So just her story, her perseverance and wanting to become a nun, the story of her family. I mean, her mom has really become a friend of mine lately because I have a very strong-willed three-year-old and I work from home. So Zaley and I talk all the time. How did you handle your girls? Uh, you know, she hired her husband, which is really awesome because my, my husband has been working from home since COVID. So we've been juggling childcare together and it's really kind of cool to watch that dynamic play out. So I just, I feel, I feel a connection to the Martin family and they're French and I'm French. So, you know, we're, we're, we'll hang out hopefully someday in heaven. I'm glad to say, hear you say I'm French because I said Prejean without really even being certain that you pronounced it in the French. You got way. it right. 
It's you not got it for right. Jean. <laughs> it's not for Jean. It's contrary yeah. to popular belief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love that you are so in touch with the humanity of the saints. Like they're not these plaster images. We we can so mistake the images for for representations of the human reality when in fact they represent spiritual realities, right? Submission or or that kind of awe in, in the presence of God. They're very beautiful that way. But when you start to talk about, you know, you're kind of kvetching with Zeely about what's going on with the strong-willed three-year-old, that's where I live. I love that. It makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah I, um, <laughs> there's this, you know, the story of, of Therese, as a kid, just being difficult. Like she was just a difficult child because A, she's basically having visions of Jesus. So that's gotta be difficult to raise a kid who's having Jesus visions. But B, you know, she she knew, can you imagine being the mother of a teenager who goes, I'm gonna become a Carmelite. And after she gets told no, she tells you, well, I, I'm going to Rome and I'm going to become a Carmelite. Like, can you imagine being the parent of that teenager? So, yes. It's going over your head, right? Right, right. <laughs> it's like, how, okay, how did I raise you? You know, the other day, my three-year-old wanted to pray for the grass. And I tried to explain to her that, well, we, the grass doesn't need us to pray for. It's just grass. Well, our town right now, grass is, is dead in everybody's yard because there's just piles of debris on the side of the road from the hurricane. And it didn't even occur to me that, that my little girl was seeing dead grass. And so she was praying for the grass to come back to life because we talk all the time about Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And so like she made all these connections about dead grass coming back to life because we've been talking about Jesus coming back to life. It's just, and I'm just sitting there thinking, Okay, well, you're holier than me, and that's fine. Uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I've done my job. You can go to college now. Like, it's, you know, so, so again, the Martin family are, they're my go-tos these days. Oh, beautiful. And I love that, too, that she made that connection, and God loves his creation, right? So, for a yes. little girl, in the purity of her heart, to want to save the grass. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So step us into this new program, Katie. It's so exciting. Ave explores the saints. It's this multimedia effort. Tell us about it. Yeah, so my, I, I really have the best job in the world. I get to work from right where I'm at in my home office uh, in Southwest Louisiana doing this. I, I project manage Ave Explorers. So we take a topic that's relevant uh, two people of faith, and and we have our kind of our tagline is we have real conversations with real people about their real faith, and we pick the topics. We've done Mary, we've talked about the Blessed Mother, and we kind of look at it from all different angles. We did a really awesome series on mental health, and mental health from a Catholic perspective, but also how you don't just spiritualize or pray away mental health challenges. Like the church cares about our mental health and so does Jesus. And so our most recent project is on the saints and it's timely, you know, November 1st is coming up. Saints content is always super popular on social media. So we wanted something that people could connect with. And so in the same way that we've done with all of our other series, we wanted to look not just at the stories of holy people, which we tell, we talk about saints whose causes are open right now, Sister Thea Bowman, Father Patrick Payton, um, Mother Mary Lang, so American saints. We, we talk about the cause of canonization. What does that look like? What goes into that? But also, how do I befriend the saints? How do I get to know them? How do I welcome them into my family life? What does liturgical living look like, especially with feast days? Um, why should I even care about these dead people? We had an excellent episode the other day with the, the Cotters, Lisa and Kevin Cotter. They, they have 11 relics in their home. And so they tell us the story of how they have 11 
relics and why they have bones of saints in their, essentially in their living room. So that's really what we're trying to do. Just tell the story of the communion of saints from a very well-rounded but very human perspective. Wow. And so you've just stated your mission so clearly, like introducing them on this multi-layered kind of, it's almost like when you walk around a car you're about to buy and you look at it from all different angles. I just get this image of sort of, we're kicking the tires here. We're looking at- We are. Yeah. Right? Just kind of like what makes a sane and how do you have a relationship and checking out all its features. Yeah, you know, I, my mo- I mentioned earlier, my mom's a convert, and every now and then I'll ask her, kind of pick her brain about, well, what what was the trigger into Catholicism for you besides wanting to marry my, marry my dad and my old French grandmother said, well, you can't marry a non-Catholic girl. So other than that, what was it that got you to Catholicism? And she always references two things, um, Mary and how just the idea of a mom in the church was so appealing to her, so much so that her own mother eventually converted to Catholicism for that reason, my grandmother Libby, but also the story of the saints, how she had no idea that there there was essentially this cheerleading squad in heaven whose stories we tell, whose pictures we hang, we name our children after them, we we celebrate their feast days like they're, you know, family birthdays. Um, we're recording this, am I allowed to say when we're recording this, on, on the feast of John Paul II. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. so I'm making his favorite dessert tonight for my family, the, you know, that, that Polish, we did it for his birthday in the spring. I've since perfected the recipe and I'm so excited to get to just kind of have a, when we're celebrating this holy man with a dessert that he would have eaten probably, you know, much better than the way I've made it. But I really like making this particular type of cake and, and celebrating his feast day in that way. Why do we do that? And I think non-Catholics like to hear kind of some of those weird, quirky things that we do as Catholics, and maybe that even brings some people into the faith. Wow. I bet you like half the women listening to this podcast are going, can I have that recipe? Like, is there somewhere we can yeah, find it? Just Did you Google. post it somewhere? Just yeah, just Google JP2 cake and it'll pop right up. That's what I did in the spring. <laughs> that is so cool. And the weird thing happened. Maybe I'm having a mystical experience. I just started smelling cake. Mm. Yeah. And there you it, go. It's his feast day. <laughs> it is. He's, he's, he's with us. <laughs> he's unbelievable, right? Yeah. So as, as far as what's personally important to you to being kind of at the helm of this, where is that landing for you? You know, Ave Explorers has been, um, I mean, it's been remarkable as a job because I get to create really cool content, but it's even cooler because as the host of the podcast, just like you're doing right now, I get to talk to people and give them space to tell their stories. So we have an excellent episode in this season um, with Mary and Jerry Lineberg. Mary, you might know her from Instagram. She is a writer. She's a speaker. Her her husband's a, a government contractor. They both work in youth ministry, and they raised a profoundly disabled daughter. She had the functioning capacity. They talk about this in the podcast of about a seven to ten month old. Um, she died in her twenties, wow. and so arguably she is a small s saint of the church. She never would have committed sins of reason. That you know the way that we believe as Catholics at the age she didn't have the faculties to do that, and so when she died, she would have died in a state of grace. And when she died. Her family kind of adopted this idea of of their their family saint. They ask for her prayers. They 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 invite other people to send in their intercessions every year around the time that she passed. Um, and so they tell that story in the second episode of our season. And 
I know I've known Mary for years. I've met them before. You know, we've, we've shared meals together. They're good, good people, but just getting to sit and talk with them on zoom and let them tell the story of their daughter. I mean, there were moments where we were all tearing up. Um, there were moments where we got to just really share our hearts about grief and loss, but also feeling connected to the communion of saints. And so I, it's a real honor to get to kind of be the host of those conversations and then edit them together and share them with people. Because, you know, it's just, it's, it's like NPR. It's Catholic NPR. I just get to give people <laughs> space to talk. Uh, and I love that. It's, it's really, I used to be a teacher and I still get to travel in non-COVID times. And, you know, honestly, none of that holds a candle to what I get to do with Ave Explorers. It really is a dream job. It's just beautiful. And what you said about having the opportunity to have conversations where you tear up and that connection between loss, but also that sense of hope and that continuing connectedness. I can't tell you how many people, and I've experienced myself, have said that after they lost their parents, they felt closer to their parents than ever before. And I really believe that's God's grace reminding us that we are just as much a family, if not more so, and to continue to pray for their souls. And, and, and I love what you said about, about their daughter being a saint with a small S, that, that soul that just enters into God's presence so easily. I mean, that's the community of saints, right? There's this thin veil between heaven and earth. And so when we talk about the saints or when we name our kids after saints or when we tell the stories of our family who have gone before us, we're recognizing that, you know, we believe that, that the resurrection of the body is real. We say that at church every Sunday. We believe that these saints are worshiping eternally in heaven and, and praying for us. I mean, Therese of Lisieux is known for saying, I want to spend my heaven doing good on earth. Well, you're doing some really great things, and I want to tell your story while you're doing those really great things for us. And then live my life in such a way to where hopefully somebody one day tells the story of my family or one day tells the story of, of holy things that happened in my town. I think that's, it all connects. And, and I hope people listening as they make those connections, too, are thinking, wait a minute, what? My story? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, think about it. Everything we do, potentially someday, somebody might look at your life and go, you know, they, they lived a remarkable life of heroic virtue. I want to advocate for them to be canonized. And they're going to dig through your life. They're going to look through your Facebook <laughs> posts. They're going to they're look at your family photo albums. They're going to interview people. Like, who? I mean, if we're not living for heaven then what are we doing? And there, there was a campaign not long ago of these really funny t-shirts of like millennial patron saints, like the patron saint of Instagram, the patron saint of podcasts, the patron saint of potted <laughs> plants. And I, I bought a t-shirt that what, it said the patron saint of Instagram or future patron saint of Instagram. And my husband, I, I was wearing it one day and he laughed and I was like, it's hysterical. But think about it. I mean, Blessed Carlo just got beatified last weekend or yeah, a couple weekends ago. Um, he played Pokemon. I played Pokemon when I was in middle school. We would trade the cards on the playground. He died at 15. We're the same age. And they dug through his 15 years of life. They looked at the things he said. And now he's, he's, a, he's on the path to sanctity. I mean, we could name our kids after him and we can ask him for prayers. That's pretty remarkable. So if you're not living in such a way where somebody could dig through everything and figure out the, the line of heroic virtue, then what are you doing? And I love that that my strategic mind says, ooh, there's another cool kind of a, a holy ambition I can have that, that something about the way I, whatever, operated on Facebook or something like that, something as simple as that can be a place 
of sanctification. It just makes you really think more holistically about your life. What are all the pieces and what do they mean? Yeah, for sure. Neat. Yeah, so there's this multimedia project then about the saints, so we can look at it and experience it and delve in a lot of different ways. Could you look at some of the pieces for us and how we might use them in our homeschools? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, we kind of have a three-prong approach. We do articles. So we have one article per week. Uh, and we, we ask people, some people you know, some people you don't, to just kind of give us a uh, answer a question. So like we have one episode or one particular article from Jen Norton. She's an artist. And so she writes about how saints inspire her art. Um, so there could be a really cool project where you have your, you know, your your children. I was going to say your students. They are your students, but they're your kids when they're at home. Uh, sure. <laughs> and uh, homeschooling, we did it for the month and a half that we were evacuated. You people are heroes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, every parent that keeps their kids home voluntarily like that for school, I love you all and pray for me if we ever have to do it again. Uh, but you can have them um, read the article and then go look at some of Jen's art and then maybe try to, you know, draw your own icon or choose a saint to create your own piece of art around kind of what she talks about, the principles of how she prays through a piece of art, how she learns the story of who she's drawing and tries to bring in elements from their background as she's creating this image. Um, we have a week, the third week of the, of the series is my favorite, where we talk about diversity in the saints. And we specifically talk about the fact how sometimes all we really know are the stories of very Eurocentric saints. And so we wanted to kind of dive into, okay, who's Oscar Romero? Who is Sister Thea Bowman? Why did Father Augustus Tolton have such a hard time becoming a priest in the United States of America during a time when, when African-Americans did not have the same rights as white people? And so we have these conversations where we really try to peel back the layers of how to talk about diverse saints to give us a bigger picture of the universal church. Um, we have a great episode with Meg Hunter Kilmer. She's a dear, dear friend of mine. This is one of our podcast episodes where she tells the story of lesser known saints. Um, and Meg has a book coming out really soon of saint biographies for kids, where she goes all around the world and tells the stories of saints, many of whom we've probably never heard of. And so um, a few of the people that she mentions on the podcast would be great to just Google, learn their stories, have a family conversation around it. She tells the story of an African couple who had a terrible marriage for 20 years before the husband had a huge conversion, um, and now they're venerables and on the path to sanctification. Uh, and so wow. it's just a really, really cool story um, that's worth listening to and worth hearing and then going and learning more about them. And then the other kind of third components, we have articles, and we have podcasts. Every Tuesday night while the series is running, we do a Facebook live conversation where it's kind of, you know, a little, it's a, it's a zoom call. Uh, it's a live podcast. So we had the Cotters on and they talked about relics during week one. Um, we've got Bonnie Ingstrom coming on to tell the story of her son, who is the verified miracle of Archbishop Fulton Sheen's cause for beatification. She wrote the book 61 minutes to a miracle. So she's coming on to tell us that story. Um, we have uh, my good friends, Vanessa, Goldberg and Tabo Hall coming on to talk about diversity and why it's important for black and brown and Hispanic and non-white members of, of the church. So BIPOC, right? Uh, black indigenous people of color to see themselves in the stories of saints um, because representation is so important. And then we have an excellent conversation coming up. We haven't had it yet, but I'm really pumped. Our pre-call was really excellent with Santonio Hill. Um, he's a former missionary and youth minister who is now working with inner city youth 
uh, and he, he's going to talk to us about the universal call to holiness. And I'm so pumped because he really speaks to the hearts of, of teens really, really well. So watching those and then maybe sitting down and having a conversation as a family or getting on a Zoom call with some other homeschool teens or, or, or you know, kids to, to talk about how that, you know, what you think and how that affected you. I'm, I'm going back to my teacher roots of like what I would be doing in the classroom with my freshmen. But yeah, articles, podcasts, and videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bill, yeah, I'm trying to lesson plan for you. You moms <laughs> and dads are going to be better at it than I am right now. And you know your kids, right? Maybe they're audio kids and they would love to listen to a podcast. They might want to watch that Facebook Live. It's, it gets posted on Instagram TV, IGTV the next day too. So they're on their phones. Make them watch it there. That's awesome. I mean, my, my homeschool mom brain is popcorning like crazy. You talked about the iconographer connecting her work with prayer, which we could do making dinner. We could do building a school, you know, a, a treehouse. We're connecting our work with prayer and how beautiful that that relationship is between worship and art, and then diversity, which is such a hot topic for our time. Thanks be to God, you know, um, and to have a conversation that's a loving conversation that grounds our awareness of each other and our appreciation for the diversity within the church in that holy and loving space so that we, so that we can stay grounded there and not get sucked into ugly conversations and over-focus on things that are just plain upsetting and divisive. And then this, the, the lesser known saints and the way we can just delight in their stories. I love that that married couple can't be identify, had some bad times before things started to get better. That's so human and so identifiable for us. And, and of course, as you said, we could do a whole unit study of geography and art and and probably, no doubt, you know, if we were talking about Hildegard of Bingen, science and art and, and music and all sorts of things, a lot of ways we could go with that. What are your favorite things? I know you have your, your corridor of friends in your, your hallway. Tell us a little bit more about how the lives of the saints play out in your home. We named our first daughter, Rose, um, after my grandmother, Rose, and my other grandmother, Elizabeth, Rose Elizabeth. But, I, you know, it's also, those are very Catholic names, Rose of Lima, Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. You know, we wanted our daughter to know the family members that she's named after, but also the holy family members. And so um, in my daughter's room, we have an icon of St. Rose of Lima, and then we have a picture of the visitation right next to it. And that same picture sits in my other daughter's room, Claire. Now Claire's much smaller. She's only five weeks old, but she's named after Claire of Assisi. And we have three different Claire of Assisi images in the room, just that different artists that I've gotten to know. I know I really like the different ways that they share who she is and Claire of Assisi is almost always depicted holding a monstrance. That's a huge part of her story as a woman who was deeply devoted to the Eucharist. Um, and so my, my oldest, Rose, will often come into Claire's room and I'm changing her diaper or getting her dressed or nursing her in the comfy chair. And uh, she'll point at the pictures of Claire of Assisi and she'll go, Claire and Jesus, because she knows that's what's, you know, it's just something that we try to talk about. Um, I'm a big believer in you know, Catholicism is best shared with our kids, especially when they're little, not by like sitting them down and making them memorize things, but it's caught more than taught. You know, one night randomly I was praying the Hail Mary and, and my daughter looks at me and she goes, no, mom, I say it. And she just took over. And I had no idea that she knew how to pray. We didn't, we didn't practice. I didn't make her recite lines. She just 
knew the Hail Mary because she'd heard us pray it so many times at bedtime that it had just stuck. The same way that she also knows, you know, Hop on Pop by memory because we've read it every night since she's been born. So I think when it comes to the saints, I don't know if you can see that I've got this image of women saints behind me framed. I've got Mary up there on the wall. Next to that is the, uh, I believe that's the, the picture, that icon um, is the Good Samaritan. If you go out of the hallway, you'd see all these images of the saints. If you go into the living room, um, we've got Catholic images on the walls. And it's just, it's part of the, the ethos of our house. My favorite thing that we have, though, is my daughter has a blanket of the saints from Be A Heart Design. She's a Catholic designer and artist on Instagram. You can find her stuff. But my, my daughter's godmother is my sister, Laura, Aunt Wawa, as we call her. And my sister is a canon lawyer. She's working on her doctorate in canon law in Washington, D.C. I'm telling you that for a reason. We're just, we're super Catholic people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's a long distance godmother. So she lives in DC. We're down in Lake Charles. COVID actually worked out great for our family because she was home for six months and we got a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with Aunt Wawa. But last fall, right around this time, um, I was traveling a ton for work. I was in England right around this week. Um, and my, my sister knew that I was, you know, really missing home. And she knew that I was, you know, having, having a hard time with balancing the travel with like being mom to a toddler. We wanted more kids, but we, were, we weren't successful at getting pregnant yet. And so it was just kind of a strange time. And so Aunt Wawa mailed us this blanket for for Rose and for me and she was just like these holy friends will help you and it's this adorable blanket it's a little quilt of all these different saints so Josephine Bakita and Oscar Romero and Teresa Lisieux and Gianna Beretta Mola John Paul II just on this cute little cute little quilt and so we laid it on our daughter's bed and it was her blanket it is now her most prized possession you, we can't leave home without it when we were evacuated for the hurricanes the saint blanket had to come with her uh, when our priest friend came over to the house to bless the house, he blessed the blanket. So it's a holy blanket now. And every night when I tuck her in, she asks me to protect her ear because she doesn't like the fan blowing on her ear with her saint blanket. So she literally sleeps with these saints pulled up against her. Well, a few, a few months ago, we're all in the house. You know, the only people that we're seeing during COVID quarantine is each other. My sister's over. <laughs> we're building this huge fort in the living room with chairs and pillows and blankets. And there was like this little window um, on the side next to like two of the chairs coming together. And Rose wanted it pitch black inside the fort so she could shine a flashlight. <laughs> so we needed one more blanket. So I turned to my husband. I said, hey, go get the saint blanket. Well, he comes back a few minutes later holding this black blanket uh, with the New Orleans Saints fleur-de-lis logo on it. And I just start laughing. And I'm like, this would only happen in a Catholic house. I meant the <laughs> other saint blanket, like roses with the faces of holy people. You know, we name our kids after them. And we just both, we lost it because we were like, this would only happen in Louisiana. This would only happen in a Catholic home. We ended up using both of the blankets. And so I just... Knowing every night that, and I have another one in the closet ready for the next kid, right? <laughs> Knowing Beautiful. that she sleeps with these holy people kind of surrounding her. It just gives me great comfort. And she calls them her friends. She, she thinks about them, at, you know, Josephine Bakita, that's somebody that we talk about a lot. She knows that she was a slave. She knows that, that her faith came to life even in her suffering. She knows uh, that Therese of Lisieux was somebody who lived this life. She knows these people and she knows their faces and she can point to their pictures. And I love that. I don't know that that's necessarily anything I've done other than just having this stuff in my house and making sure that she knows about it. 
And I, and I love that you have this contagious enthusiasm. I just want to point out to anyone out there who's a little timid about bringing more awareness of the saints into your home that your enthusiasm will be contagious. You can be confident that your children will pick up on your love for those relationships and their beautiful little imaginations will be greatly sparked and they'll have a whole life in their own heads and hearts and the end and build for the future uh, lays a beautiful foundation i want to just mention that the ave explores saints program it kicked off yesterday as we're recording this will air a little later october 21st and will run right through my birthday in case anyone wants to send me cards and money um november 11th 2020 so that's when it will be happening live but i have no doubt you'll be able to access it after that and say a few words katie about your new book coming out before we wrap Advent yeah christmas yeah. which is perfect timing to talk about it is yeah and it's on sale right now um Yay. so my husband and i have written two devotionals one for lent and one for advent and christmas and we're starting to work on an easter one soon it's just daily reflections it takes like five minutes it, it gives kind of a theme for the week a daily reflection a prayer and a little challenge and we, it's geared we like to say 12 to 20 because it's a wide age range but everybody's really an overgrown 12 year old um, but it's designed to be done kind of individually so like a you know a teenager could keep it on their nightstand but also we have a really cool video series and small group conversation guide coming out with the book uh, launching the, the first week of Advent designed for homeschool families, youth groups, and for classroom teachers. Um, so it's called Advent and Christmas, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. Uh, and then in Lent, it's Lent, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. It's two bucks. So my, my Starbucks order is more than this book that we've written. Um, I and I, you know, I'm making the pitch for it because when we were teachers, I, I taught high school, my husband teaches high school currently, we were always looking for this kind of thing to use in our classroom and could never find it. So we were just making it up ourselves. So finally, we said, well, other people could probably use this too. So it's just short, sweet, five to 10 minutes a day. Uh, my favorite part about it are the little prayers that we've written because those are, those are prayers that we have prayed. So yeah, that's the book. Beautiful. Just, I tell you, I'm going to go through the rest of my day smiling, having been spent some time with you, Katie. You're awesome. And we have your website, katieprejean.com, in the show notes, as well as the link to your new book. And we'll get everything anybody needs to access this fabulous new multimedia Ave Explores the Saints program on the show notes as well. Make sure everybody can find you. Thank you so much. It was just so much fun having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, we got to have you back sometime. Katie, Please. thanks a million. And everybody stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, this is Dan Lozonis from EinsteinBlueprint.com. And today I want to talk about the critical intersection of politics and economics and what that means for our kids as we raise them hopefully to thrive in the larger economy. Yesterday I went to vote early and I was a little bit shocked to see on the ballot here in Florida a proposal to raise the minimum wage up to $15 per hour over a very quick period of time. In fact, $15 an hour is the minimum wage up in New York City where we just left. And if, in case you, you can't do the math, $15 an hour times 40 hours a week times 50 weeks a year annualizes to $30,000 per year. 
If you are as old as me or almost as old as me, you, you may be shocked to think that you could have started out flipping burgers at McDonald's or slicing bagels at a deli at an annualized rate of $30,000 per year. I believe I was making $2 an hour babysitting and McDonald's was paying $3.15. So what is the problem with a high government imposed minimum wage? Well, primarily the problem is that it eliminates jobs for the entry-level workers that it purports to help. This is why we're already ringing up and bagging our own groceries and pumping our own gas. In fact, I saw a meme picturing McDonald's kiosk saying that this is what a $15 an hour minimum wage worker looks like. Yeah, they look like kiosks and computer screens and, and robots. So going forward, our teenagers will in fact have fewer opportunities to gain that valuable and character building experience known as work. But going back to the larger issue of business regulations, if nothing else, the complete economic shutdown imposed by the government over COVID-19 has reminded the business world how vulnerable it is, not just to normal industry competition and technological disruptions, but apparently now to unprecedented emergency government meddling. And this goes far beyond how much an employer must pay its entry-level employees or whether or not everyone must wear masks or how close restaurant tables can be to each other. It's hitting us at the very heart of our values. Example, nurses and doctors have been forced to be vaccinated themselves and they are forced to vaccinate their patients with whatever unproven rush-to-market vaccines the government is going to tell them to down the road. Otherwise, they can lose their licenses and their entire livelihoods. So I believe it's imperative that our kids from a very early age learn all about this very complex intersection of politics and the economy. They need to learn how regulations and taxes and subsidies and yes, shutdowns affect businesses. And not just so they know how to vote on minimum wage referendum items, but so they can design their careers accordingly. Of course, only full-fledged successful entrepreneurs have these nimble businesses and income streams and can stay one step ahead of the government's reach. If you want to get your family an early but advanced introduction to entrepreneurship, and if you want to discover how to turn your kids into little kid trillionaires, then visit my 15-year-old son's website, kidsgetrich.com. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.